What story are you telling? Whether you're intentional about it or not, you have an audience and they think in story. The Doug Thompson podcast features diverse storytellers sharing their practical tips for telling the story they need others to envision and trust in order to take a new action. Here's your host, Doug Thompson. This episode of the Doug Thompson podcast was recorded from a live stream. The interview is here in its entirety. Hey, everybody. Uh, happy Veterans Day. Welcome to the, um, well, I almost forgot, forgot, I almost did the business podcast. The Doug Thompson podcast. I forgot which one I was doing today. I did one for, for Tanium, the company I work for a little, bit, <laughs> a little bit earlier. So this is the Doug Thompson podcast. I am the host, and I'm joined today with Marvin Smith, Marvin Storm. My, I, Marvin, I apologize. I am having uh, all kinds of reading problems today. So Marvin, tell us about yourself while I get a drink of water. Well, it's great to be here. I just love uh, chatting about uh, kind of my core competency nowadays, and that is, you know, kind of uh, showing the path and uh, highlighting what people can do to kind of optimize the value of their business when they get to a point in stepping out. And uh, I've had a couple of exits along the way, and some of those have been really great and some not so great. Uh, and I've just learned a lot about what the individual should be doing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to eventually, I mean, someday, almost everyone, unless you plan on living forever, are going to have to step away and sell their business or pass it on to someone they know or an employee or family member or someone. Uh, and they're going to have to step away from their business. And the amount of money they put in their pocket when that time happens uh, is very controllable. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you can ha have a huge influence on that if you do the right things. <clears throat> you know, when I was talking to you about the podcast uh, several weeks ago, I had not even thought about that. You know, you, we, we had a discussion about sort of an exit strategy. And, you know, I've got, um, you know, I've got a corporate job that I'm doing now, which I don't plan to exit anytime soon. But uh, we got the podcast and, and, you know, I didn't even think about the podcast just leaving it. So as you build up an audience, <clears throat> you build these other things, there's a way that you know, your, your listeners and all find value. And so you gave me some things to think about and, and I really appreciated that conversation, but it, it also sounds like you've got, you know, you, through your career, we talked about early on, you can go check him out on LinkedIn, but you know, you've got a lot of experiences forming something, stepping away, going to do something else. So tell us sort of how that, how you came to where you are today. Well, it's an interesting, uh, I think everyone has a kind of an origin story and, you know, a career path that kind of winds its way through and, you know, you hit your peaks and your valleys and sometimes you get off of the, the path into the weeds and, and you got to kind of climb back on the, the path and, and uh, like a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, I've had that type of experience in my career. I got my start you know, uh, in uh, public accounting. I got my degree in accounting and went to work for a national firm, uh, what is now called Deloitte, one of the big four. Back then, when I got my start, it was the big eight. <laughs> and uh, I spent some time there and was playing pickup basketball every Tuesday nights for several years and bumped into a few guys that I knew and became really good friends with one of them. And before you knew it, uh, we were, you know, talking and chatting and turning in our resignations and uh, deciding to strike out on our own and uh, rented a small office with two desks and two phones and the desks faced each other. And, and we were in business and uh, uh, spent nearly 10 years together. 
And we built that business up from a, a couple, a small office to, you know, almost two floors of a downtown office building and, and, uh, you know, uh, 60, 70 people on the payroll. And, and, uh, we had, we, uh, we were kind of in the right place at the right time. I, at the time I thought I was pretty cool. I thought I kind of had the Midas touch and, and, uh, I was just, uh, really on top of my game, but, uh, after the winds kind of changed and the economy uh, took a dip and and uh, the market became more competitive and the business kind of drew up and or you know, kind of went away, uh, all of a sudden uh, I uh, wasn't as smart as I thought I was, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but we worked that out. Yeah. Uh, we were able to reposition it and you know grow it again. And eventually. My partner uh, was a little bit older than I was, and his objectives changed, and he kind of wanted to go one direction, and I had different ideas, and so we just met together in a local city park and sat at a picnic table and talked our way through of uh, how we were going to move forward, and we decided that it was time that we just, uh, you know, exited the business, and that's what we did. And that was your first one. uh, Hmm? That's what started all this. This was your first one. That's that's what got it going, yeah. and it was a great experience. Uh, young guy, and you know your mid twenties, and and just getting started, you know, with a new family and big mortgage, and and uh, doing well, and not so well, then doing well again, and and then leaving that business and getting started in a whole new industry, whole different orientation, and. And starting from scratch all over again. And that's been, you know, every 10 years or so in my career, that's been kind of the evolution, uh, you know, is to, you know, get something started and then spin it out or, you know, step away and go do something else. Why do you think, you know, if this is a pattern that repeats itself, what is sort of the common thread or why do you think it's about sort of this? Is it the business cycle? Is it is it just simply you as a growth perspective? You've gotten what you wanted to accomplish out of it. Now it's time to go do something else. Well, I think it's a combination of things for me. I'll speak from my personal perspective. Um, I am entrepreneurial. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My father had his own business. Uh, that was a small town in the Midwest where I grew up. And uh, I saw, uh, you know, kind of uh, ground level in the trenches uh, lifestyle that an entrepreneur, you know, followed. And uh, my father uh, was his own boss, you know, and he uh, did different things and was successful at most of them, not all of the things that he uh, figured out and launched. Uh, He had patents and different types of businesses, and he did very well uh, for most of his career. And uh, I sort of saw that. And uh, although uh, you know, he grew up where, you know, getting a college education kind of wasn't, uh, the norm. Uh, and so he never actually graduated from high school and, uh, you know, he started at the bottom and, uh, built up to where he had his own businesses and then several businesses. And, and he always wanted, you know, his kids uh, to have something a little bit better and wanted us to get an education. And so that's kind of the path that I, I decided to go down. And, and that's why I got my degree and, uh, you know, started off in, in the accounting world. Actually, in, high, in college, I started a couple of businesses in college. And one of them took off much faster than I thought. And I almost 
had to drop out of school. I had to make a decision whether I wanted to, you know, continue with this business, which mm-hmm. would probably not have been a bad idea at the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, looking back and having the benefit of hindsight, I was really at the beginning of, of in a service industry. I had a maid service, mm. and uh, I would hire young co-eds to go knock on the doors of all the large apartment buildings where you know guys stayed. Mm. There was generally four to six guys in an apartment, mm-hmm. and for a dollar a week, I would clean their apartment. And back in those days, minimum wage was in the less than a couple of dollars, mm-hmm. and. And so I just worked it out. If I'm getting $6 to clean the apartment and it's going to take an hour and I'm paying less than $2, well, that's pretty good margins. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, what I didn't anticipate, though, was uh, once the guys got a maid, they became really slob. It was a slob factor, (laughs) but it was slob squared. Uh, I know know some women which would say that happened when they got married, too. (laughs) Well, that's true. That's true. But guys in college, uh, they, they really, uh, turned into yeah. real slobs. And so it wasn't taking an hour. It was taking two hours plus and, and, uh, but it still was going fast. And I look back now and there's a lot of maid services around, uh, independent maid service, franchise based maid services, corporate oriented maid mm-hmm. services. Uh, and uh, I was really on the cutting edge of that. And I often thought if I'd have stayed in that business, I, I could have probably hit a home run with that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I took my first accounting classes because I had money just coming out of my ears. I, yeah. mean, I had hundreds of apartments to clean. I even had local homeowners calling up wanting their homes cleaned, you yeah. know? And so I, I was on to something yeah. there, but, uh, no, I stuck with my schooling and, uh, took some accounting classes and then went on an internship and ended up being, being an accountant and starting down that, starting down that road. So that, that's kind of the early version one of my entrepreneurial journey. And, and then after being in accounting for a few years, I met my co-founder and we, we launched off into, you know, starting from scratch a new business. So, so how did, when did you start realizing that, you know, as people exit and, you know, because I've known people that have left corporate life and they had a bankroll and they thought they were going to do that, but you know, it didn't last too long. You know, they didn't really, you know, plan that, plan that well out of it. Or, you know, they've had a business running and they got bored and they wanted to go do something else. And they used to look, it's here, take it. And I'm going to, I'm going to go do something else. And I don't think they got the maximum value out of it. So that's actually two questions. So one of them, how do you prepare to exit? Like, to go into entrepreneurship, you know, what's the advice that you might give? And the second one is that when you're exiting to retire or to start something new, what are the things you look for? Well, two really different thought processes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for those that are in the corporate life, uh, one thing I've always been amazed with in this country is that uh, the school system really teaches people and is really oriented. Uh, to educate people and to preach the dogma of getting a job. Mm-hmm. That's all they talk about. You you get an education so that you are marketable and that you can go get a job, that you'll interview when you get to the end of your college career uh, and uh, you hope to you know, be attractive to someone because you got good grades or whatever, and then you'll start your, your career as an employee. And then generally, uh, that works out fine for a lot of people. But along that employee path, 
you know, there's dissatisfaction, there's all the politics that go on and promotions that are, you know, generated by not necessarily performance, but by who you know, or being in the right place at the right time. And then there's corporate, you know, downsizing and economic downturns and mergers and acquisitions and, you know, people getting laid off. And somewhere along that path, a huge swath of the this employee workforce out there uh, decides that the grass is greener on the other side of the hill. Mm-hmm. And they want to make that migration from working for the man uh, until doing something of their own. So there's this process, there's this transition between employee to entrepreneur. And that process is you have to kind of do the right things to optimize that transition so that you you have somewhat of a safety net if things don't work out. And there are certain things that you do along that path that uh, tremendously increase the uh, probability that you're going to be successful. And then after you get involved in your own business, if you manage to be successful and you're able to grow and scale that business, uh, then there's going to be another exit. Uh, There's only a couple of things that can happen to a business when you really think about it. Um, You know, most people aren't going to live forever. So that means that option is off of the table that you're not going to be able to, for the next 50, 100 years, run that business. So then you got to think about well, who is going to run it if I'm not there? So it's either going to be someone that you know that's internal to you, internal in the company. That means family that's operating in the business. That means an employee or a management team or maybe a business partner. So it's someone inside of the company. That's an option for an exit. If it isn't those, then you have to look at, well, then it's somebody outside the company, someone you don't know. It's a third party. That third party may be someone like you. It may be an investor group, a management team, another company. Uh, But it's someone that you don't know uh, that you're going to to exit. And I guess there's a third option that no one really wants to consider. And that's you're going to liquidate your business and wind it down and just quit doing it one day, sell off the assets or be forced into selling off the assets because uh, you're forced into bankruptcy. So you don't want to talk about those options necessarily. (laughs) Yeah, that's the bad one. so, so, so there's these two options, inside and outside. And if it's outside, which is 90%, 95% probably, of all business exits out there uh, are going to be to someone that you don't know, then there, are, there is really a process in place for you to be able to optimize and to maximize <clears throat> uh, the value that you're going to get for your business and the amount of money that is going to go into your pocket instead of off to paying off debt or to pay Uncle Sam and, uh, you know, those type of things that have to be addressed. And if you do the right things, if you follow the right process, if you uh, start the process early enough, uh, you can have, I I can tell you, it is dramatically uh, different on if you just show up because the sad fact is, is that most people, uh, and I think this is endemic of entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs uh, love the, the chase. They, they love the excitement of actually managing the process and running a business. 
And because they're entrepreneurial, they like to solve problems and they like to shoot from the hip. They just like that, you know, being faced with something in real time, assessing the situation, figuring out a solution, and then implementing that solution. There's a real rush of adrenaline and satisfaction in being able to do that over and over. And entrepreneurs who do that in a specific vertical, they become really good at what they do. They become the experts. And they uh, have this natural aptitude and then eventually experience that allows them to really be at the top of their game. And they think that the next going to happen the same way. They're just going to arrive at a time where they're going to decide one day that now's the time. I'm either burned out. I want to go do something else. I want to retire. Maybe they went to the doctor. They got a bad diagnosis. Uh, they're not getting along with their partner. They're divorced or whatever the situation. And they want to sell or exit their business. And they think they're just going to figure it out. And they're just going to do what they've always done. And things are just magically going to fall in place. And they're going to get more money than they ever thought they were going to get for their business. And it's all going to be in cash. And things are just going to be hunky-dory. Unfortunately, the data does not support that type of scenario. In fact, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, research and uh, surveys that have been done that uh, for all the businesses that are listed for sale, on an annual basis, over 80% never find a buyer. And out of those that do find a buyer, relatively few of them are actually able to get what they want for their business. And in some cases, you know, positioning their business so it actually gets more. Uh, it's, a, it's attractive enough mm -hmm. to uh, certain types of buyers that they'll really pay up for that type of business. And so, you know, the point, I guess, that I want to emphasize here is that it isn't going to magically happen. If you're going to optimize your exit, it's probably going to take some forethought. It's going to take you doing certain things to be able to optimize that value. And if you do, you can do very well. If you don't, uh, you may be a dollar short than <laughs> you thought you were going to be and yeah. uh, not have the type of uh, retirement or enough money to start your next venture that you thought you were going to have. Yeah. You mentioned a, a couple of things. And so one of them is the entrepreneurial mindset. I know a lot of them that, and we talked about reasons why they may want to exit or sell. One of them is, is they like that experience of building it from scratch and solving the problem. And then when it comes sort of that problem solving is day to day, then they get a bit bored and they're sort of looking for the next mm -hmm. problem to solve. So that's, it's not a bad thing. That's just simply the mindset and they're very successful. So what they do. So, they may exit a lot, you know, and they could use your, you know, the, the things that you've got to make the most out of it to, to start again. And and the second thing is you you talked about the educational system. You know, Seth, <clears throat> Seth Godin talks about it sort of being created to create factory workers. You know, you, you had a sort of a skill set and you did that. Don Wetrick, I don't know if you've ever followed him or not, but he was a teacher and now he's sort of out. But he, he was teaching his kids entrepreneurial skills in class. He sort of created his own thing, and I, and I talked to his class before, and they were brilliant. You know, that they they had that mindset about going on and, and mm -hmm. doing things. Uh, you know, not just simply getting a job or doing something. They were creating a business or something out of that. Sort of like what maybe what you did in college. And I think in in the current environment, we need more of that sort of thought process and teaching and teaching them some of the skills that you talked about. 
Well, fortunately, I think there is a grassroots movement that is making its way, especially at the college level. You have entire entrepreneurial programs now. Mm -hmm. And in some of the, you know, top colleges in the country, you know, Stanford being the primary example where they have an entrepreneurial program and, and they really focus on, you know, giving the skills and inviting in professors that have had real life experiences. And, you know, since they're located, you know, Palo Alto, which is the, where Stanford is located is right in the heart of Silicon Valley and Sand Hill Road, where all the venture capitalists hang out, you know, that founded Apple and Hewlett Packard and Google and all the others, uh, you know, are in that valley, the Silicon Valley there, there's a lot of access to capital and talent and people and, and, uh, and other, uh, you know, colleges around the country, you know, have and are starting entrepreneurial programs where they actually have a course of study uh, where you can actually get a degree uh, and part of that process is starting your own business and uh, learning how to, you know, develop a plan, uh, how to execute that plan, how to get funding, how to recruit people, you know, how to <laughs> do your financial projections and, and really understanding the life cycle of a business and, and how to scale a business. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are, uh, I think it's, it's changing but, you know, at the elementary and high school level, uh, you know, given the kind of the parochial uh, attitude, uh, those things are very slow to change. And I think that's really sad. It is because there's a lot of opportunity in sort of the services business or the things that we do every day. The small business that you will that that, you know, they're not they don't like your dad. They don't necessarily need to go to college to have a business and run it and, and, you know, add value to the, to the community and things like that. So I think, you know, I'm with you on that is I would like to see more of this as a grassroots teaching this in, in the high school level so that at least then they can determine, well, you know, I've got these business ideas and I can do X, Y, Z rather than going to college. And, you know, you know, it's not for everybody. Well, entrepreneurship is not for everybody because it takes uh, a certain risk tolerance. Well, oh yeah, uh, takes, I was talking about it, college, it but yeah, entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason a lot of people don't go into it is the risk tolerance and stuff of that as well. Yeah, and I think it's a mindset too. You know, uh, it is not an eight to five job. I mean, uh, I I knew that growing up, and my father never worked eight to five. You know, mm -hmm. he worked what needed to be done. That's what he he worked, and yeah. he came home when the job was done. And so I had, I didn't have any rose colored glasses on when I, you know, launched out onto my own, but I think a lot of people, you know, totally mis misinterpret or misunderstand yeah. uh, the level of hard work and the stress that's involved of making payroll week yeah. after week. Yeah. Some people that have been out in the corporate world and had to work for the man or however you want to describe it. Um, you know, they think, oh, I can be my own boss and I can get, you know, I can do what I want. No, you can't. <laughs> if you're doing it, if you're doing it right. No, well, you can do what you want, but there's a lot of work that goes along with it. You're not going to be on the golf course every day or fishing or whatever you want to do. You may get there one day, but you may it get can there. take a lot of work. Yeah, you have to work through that. It's like training for an endurance event. There's there's six months of, of what I call embracing the suck because you just don't want to get out and do the workout stuff before you get to the actual race to go do things. So, I mean, life is like that. Anything that is worth achieving, there's work associated with it. Um, we, we, you know, not everybody doesn't win the lottery. 
No, that's that's a true statement. You know, uh, if you have a great idea and uh, you have the ability to, you know, buckle down and do the work, uh, and you can stick with it long enough, uh, generally it works out. Not always, but generally. Uh, you know, and then it, you just dust yourself off and you try again. If it, you know, it, hey, what did you learn from it? Take the learnings and go on from there. So what, what do you, you have a podcast as well. So tell me, tell the audience a little bit about that one. It sounds really, you talk to some really interesting people. Well, my podcast really is, uh, was kind of Genesis in uh, my last exit. My last exit was different than most of the others that I had in my career in that it involved outside capital. Uh, I brought in uh, outside investors in order to scale and grow the business. And, um, you know, it was a different environment, had different rules. Once you grow a business to that level and uh, you now have a board of directors that you have to report to, now I had a company that uh, I wasn't the sole owner of. And, you know, the reporting to the board and being able to meet expectations on projections. And one thing that uh, you that I intuitively understood, I intellectually understood it, I should say, is that once you take in outside capital, especially if it's from a fund or institutional capital, in most cases, uh, let's talk about private equity. In most cases, private equity is simply a group of investors that have been recruited into a fund run by some general partners who go out and find businesses to invest in. That's why it's private equity. It's they invest their equity into acquiring businesses. And there's an expectation of a return on those invested funds. And generally they have a time window. So when an investor comes into an, a private equity fund, the general partners will say, our fund has a life and of five to seven years or maybe 10 years. Uh, and in, in that time window, we're going to liquidate all of the businesses that we invest in and return the money to you with a very attractive uh, rate of return. Mm -hmm. And so when you take private equity or an investment of that type, uh, the clock starts to run. And for that period of time, they, they may be looking at an exit in three to five years or maybe a little bit longer. But there's going to be a monetization event along there because they need to recognize the return. Because from the general partner's perspective, they want to show success. Mm -hmm. They want to show a certain rate of return so that when this fund closes down, they have a track record. They can go out and talk to those investors and recruit new investors because they were so good at with their first fund right. or their second fund that they'll be able to, not instead of raising you know, $30 million in the fund, they'll be able to raise $300 million into the fund. And yeah. uh, when they get done with that fund, then they're going to raise a billion dollars. And so that's the game. Mm -hmm. That's the process. And there's, and so when you take money like that, I guess I, I, I intellectually understood that there was going to be a monetization event down the road. But when that time arrives, especially it arrives sooner than you think, and you have so much more that you want to do, 
because things are really going now. You had the capital, you were able to yeah. execute, you were able to fuel that growth and things are going and you know, you're know you an entrepreneur and you, you, you just can see so much more and you're sitting in that board meeting and they say, you know, it's time. You know, we need a, another year from now, nine months from now, you know, we need to tee this up to get ready for an exit. And so these are the things that you have to do. Yeah. And I just was not ready, but you know, I understood put on my big boy pants yeah. and, you know, position the company. But because I hadn't been through that before and I was dealing with the board and I was dealing with these different dynamics, I did not optimize my exit from my perspective mm -hmm. as much as I should. And so once I had a chance and I stepped over to the side of the road and I wasn't in the fast lane anymore. And uh, I just got to thinking about, you know, my career, all the things I'd done and especially this last exit. And I said, you know, there's probably a lot of other people out there that are along this path. They had their first business, they're getting ready to exit, or maybe it's their second, or maybe it's a situation like I was where they have outside investors and they haven't been through that before. I bet there's a lot of people out there like that, that if they had some insight, they could probably do better for themselves. And so I said, I love podcasting. I'm just going to start a podcast. And so that's what I did. Uh, instead of going out and talking to the actual people that had sold businesses, which was kind of my mm -hmm. first thought, uh, I decided I would, uh, you know, talk to the deal makers, the people that actually facilitated the exit. And these are the mergers and acquisition advisors, investment bankers, boutique investment banking firms, uh, transaction attorneys, CPAs, business brokers, mm -hmm. all these people that are involved in making deals happen. And have them bring their stories, their good stories, or things went really well, maybe really spectacularly well, or didn't go so well, and and some really belly flops, mm -hmm. and some they bring some really sad stories about how people lost it all uh, yeah. on that last lap where they were they just dropped the baton on the last lap, and the exit was very sad, and so the the real you know, concept of what I wanted to accomplish was just so that entrepreneurs and founders out there don't have to go through the learning experience and the pain themselves. They can listen to what other people did. And, uh, you know, because I'm talking to people that do hundreds of deals in their careers, they bring the, the best of the best of their deals to the table that have the most learning, the most unique takeaways. And, uh, I've just gotten tremendous feedback from, you know, people, entrepreneurs that saying, geez, I listened to that episode last week and I don't want to turn out like that guy. He sounded just like me. You know, I don't yeah. want to turn it half that happened to me. I'm glad I listened to that episode. And uh, there's just tons of stories like yeah. that. And they're, they're unusual things that can happen and things you just wouldn't think about. And uh, the end of the day, you're going to have that exit one day. Mm -hmm. And if you drop that baton on that last lap, uh, you know, either taking your money that you're going to invest in the next thing or your retirement, you don't want to drop it, especially if it's your retirement, because you yeah. just don't have that long of a runway. You better make sure that you do the right things in the right sequence in the right order to be able to optimize that exit value. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, you know, you've had quite the hero's journey with some, you know, hills or valleys and peaks and, and and you've taken all these learnings and stuff and are now sort of giving back to to those that are on the road behind you which <clears throat> really we all should be doing if the world would be a lot better place if we were 
So thanks for sharing those those stories. And you have you've got a giveaway now, if I'm not mistaken. I think we talked about that. Can you can you sort of share that and how people yeah, get a hold think, of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that you know those that are at some point in time going to be excellent. You should probably you know subscribe to the podcast because it's just four stories in every podcast. Uh, too good, too bad. And just go to wherever you get your podcasts, mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever, or go to the website, uh, businessexitstories.com mm-hmm. and subscribe there. Uh, or And I have a, one of the things I get a lot of feedback and thinking, you know, kind of what's the process? What do I do? I, I just don't really know how to go about this. And so I've created this kind of downloadable PDF that you can... Uh, downroad. You just go to businessexitstories.com mm-hmm. forward slash report, the numeral two, report two, uh, and just download the report. I think you'll find it's a quick read. It's uh, have some real interesting insights that anyone that has a business that whether it's five years or 10 or next year, you're going to be exiting, you know, it'll be worth the read. Cool. Well, I appreciate that. Marvin, you, you've you've uh, given me some things to think about. I hope we've given the audience some things to think about. And uh, go check Marvin's stuff out if you even have any inkling about starting something and exiting. So it's always good to have a guide uh, to do that. And let's not drop the baton. Let's not be the men's Olympic relay team uh, to, <laughs> to do that. So Marvin, thanks a lot and have a Hang great Hang on evening. to that baton. You know, yeah. don't drop it. Yeah, yeah pr- practice that exchange. So thanks a lot, Marvin. Yeah, yeah. all right. Thank you. Delightful. Enjoyed talking to you.